0: Thanks
1: for listening to the KC Morning Show.
0: There will be times when the struggle seems impossible. Mm. I know this already. (laughs) Alone, unsure, dwarfed by the scale of the enemy. Remember this. Freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. Random acts of insurrection are occurring constantly throughout the galaxy. There are whole armies, battalions, that have no idea that they've already enlisted in the cause. Remember that the frontier of the rebellion is everywhere, and even the smallest act of insurrection pushes our lines forward. And then remember this. The Imperial need for control is so desperate because it is so unnatural. Tyranny requires constant effort. It breaks. It leaks. Authority is brittle. Oppression is the mask of fear. Remember that. And know this, the day will come when all these skirmishes and battles, these moments of defiance will have flooded the banks of the Empire's authority, and then there will be one too many. One single thing will break the siege. Remember this. January 11, 1970, victory belonged to Hank Stram and his Kansas City
2: Chiefs. TV9 News special report, close up the flood of 77. From the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, it's Milwaukee Bucks against the Kansas City Kings. Now, Kansas Cityans must decide what happens next. What is to follow the city's Holy Week riots? I am here at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue.
1: Daryl Motley awaits, and the Kansas City Royals are world champions. Can't sit in here love. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Harvey. He is the Professor Emeritus from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. And every Tuesday, my friends, we, we take back America, reclaiming that radical, progressive history of America. It is a new year, new resolutions. Same us, though. It's still the same old Harvey and <laughs> Hart, so that's us. But one of the reasons why we're doing today's episode, we're talking again, about MLK, Martin Luther King. We just celebrated MLK Day. And so you might be saying, well, didn't we just do this last week? Well, yes we did. And we're gonna do it again because part of that radical pick me up that I find so encouraging is revisiting MLK and doing it at the beginning of the year. It's the great way to kick things off. A great way to kick things off With the professor, Harvey K. How are you, my brother?
2: It's great to see you. People don't realize we just spent an hour and a half schmoozing before (laughs) we did this. Are we like on the third Zoom permit? Third and counting. I'm getting the new link ready. Yeah, you better get ready. I have a feeling. (laughs) We'll skip the football talk, not only because the Packers are out of the playoffs, but because we have things to say about King that probably were not said on Martin Luther King Day. They're notes observations this is not the story of martin luther king we're not going to read his major speeches we're just going to talk about him in a kind of personal way stuff that has struck us you might say i would just want to say and i'm going to hand it over to you immediately okay i just want to say that even as we were schmoozing during that hour and a half something popped into my mailbox from congressman richie torres from new york he sent me a tweet that he wanted me to share And this is a tweet that he sent based on a tweet by that anything but progressive, that utterly reactionary, utterly despicable, utterly vomitocious Ron DeSantis. DeSantis had the audacity to tweet on MLK Day the quote, everyone knows, Viking, I have a dream. I won't read the whole quote. Well, Richie Torres tweeted in light of Ron DeSantis banning the African American Studies Advanced Placement Test from Florida high schools, he wrote, Ron DeSantis' tweet on Martin Luther King is strictly forbidden in the state of Florida, where AP African American Studies have been banned. MLK's dream is just too woke, especially for DeSantis.
1: I mean, Harvey, think about that. The man who is pushing the erasure of MLK can't even make an MLK tweet by his own standards. What are
2: we doing? Yep. What are we doing? So I'm going to hand it back to you, Harsel, because you have a couple of notes you want to make.
1: Well, and it's actually a great segue from what you literally just said. So I found this tweet. It went viral. Everyone's probably seen it by now. But this is what Ben Shapiro (laughs) tweeted out as his MLK tribute. And I'm just going to recite it. Every MLK Day, we are treated to a bevy of think pieces of how the only way to achieve MLK's dream is to embrace group redistributionism and racial discrimination. MLK may have made such arguments in 1968, but that simply isn't the dream or the pathway we celebrate him for. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, what he's literally saying is, I hear this actual radical king that you all are talking about, you know, the guy who's pro labor and voting rights and collective bargaining, solidarity. I hear that, but that's not the MLK that I'm going to celebrate. I celebrate the guy that DeSantis tweets out. That's the one I choose to believe.
2: Yeah, well, in fact, you're not old enough to remember this, but back in Ronald Reagan's administration, his attorney general, I believe it was, they were arguing you know against affirmative action, basically, on the grounds that Martin Luther King was looking forward to a day where Americans would not see color. Okay. Sound familiar to you, that kind sounds of sounds familiar. Kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, all affirmative action in law says is that if two candidates of equal standing happen to be one white and one black, in light of an imperative diversity, and for years of discrimination, go to the person of color. That's all. That's all it says. It doesn't say you got to have a quota. It doesn't say, regardless of the quality, you give it to the person of color. It doesn't say anything like that, okay? What they're doing is they're presuming that simply because the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act passed, which by the way, okay, we know the degree to which over these last 50 50 years, what am I saying? It's past 58 58 years we know that they literally have done everything in their power to kill the voting rights act and there are any number among them who'd be more than happy probably to go back to the ages late in the apartheid and segregation in the south but they're claiming that because those laws were enacted well we don't have discrimination any longer you know we just don't have it okay you can't discriminate the law says you can't so if you now give preference to a black person or for that matter an asian person whatever it is that must be discrimination because you're discriminating against the whites. I know. Well, just without any kind of acknowledgement of the history
1: of how we got to that point where it has to be things like affirmative action. Real quick, before we get into the quotes, can you think of anyone like King, a figure like MLK, who's been so whitewashed as far as just taking out the radical substance
2: from the message? Well, I can't tell you. We don't need to get into it right now. But Thomas Paine, yeah. for 200 yeah. years, was literally banned from conservative discourse, other than to crap all over him. You know they so feared the radicalism he represented, and then ever since Ronald Reagan found a way to harness him in a speech, conservatives have found ways of hijacking Thomas Paine to make him not the radical he was, but rather strictly, strictly the guy who called for independence. But as Paine himself said, if common sense was merely a mat- writing, common sense was merely a matter of. Creating an independent country, I didn't need to do it. It was the fact that we were going to try to create a new political system. Okay, so I'm trying to think, is there anyone else who's been so, in quotes, whitewashed? Mostly, they just literally forget them. But I can't think of anyone. I mean, seriously speaking, there are. I mean, Franklin Roosevelt was reduced to the, the narrowest of terms by the conservatives who hated him. And they said, well, he led us through the war. He did a good job. Bam. And liberals themselves don't want to remember just how radical the New Deal was and the empowerment of labor and literally in the inspiration for a significant expansion in the civil rights, not just civil rights movement, but literally the generation of civil rights organizations. I mean, there's a whole series of things that they whitewash out of history and obscure or corral. My whole career has been a matter of trying to liberate the past so it can make its impact on the present.
1: Taking it back, Harvey K. Well, let's reclaim the radical words. I found some radical words from MLK. He talks so much about those, those evils, those three evils, right? Of racism, militarism, and materialism. And mm-hmm. we played the full speech of Beyond Vietnam on our MLK tribute show, which is in your feeds right now. You should go back and listen to that one. I'm talking about militarism. A true revolution of values will lay hand on the world order and say of war this way of settling differences is not just this business of burning human beings with napalm of filling our nation's homes with orphans and widows of injecting poisonous drugs of hate into the veins of people's normally humane of sending men home from dark and bloody battlefields physically handicapped psychologically deranged when that cannot be reconciled with wisdom justice and love A nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. And that's MLK from Beyond Vietnam, the Riverside speech. At this point, so many people talk about the radicalism of MLK and towards the end of his life, he was starting to make that so much more public. And just hearing those words the critiques he would have now, as he's seen the military-industrial complex and how we have stood on the side of the colonizers in so many conflicts since Vietnam, Harvey. You know, I would love to read the think pieces of MLK You know, post 9-11. Can you imagine that
2: kind of commentary? You got to marvel it. I mean, it isn't just honor. You got to marvel at Martin Luther King Jr., The excerpt that I want to read from, or the excerpt I want to offer, is from Letter from a Birmingham Jail, April of 1963. By the way, this is written from jail. It wasn't a metaphor. It was from jail. This is King. I have no fear about the outcome of our struggle in Birmingham. Even if our motives are at present misunderstood, we will reach the goal of freedom in Birmingham and all over the nation because the goal of America is freedom. Abused and scorned though we may be, our destiny is tied up with America's destiny. Before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, we were here. Before the pen of Jefferson etched the majestic words of the Declaration of Independence across the pages of history, we were here. For more than two centuries, our forebears labored in this country without wages. They made cotton king. They built the homes of their masters while suffering gross injustice and shameful humiliation. And yet out of a bottomless vitality, they continued to thrive and develop. If the inexpressible cruelties of slavery could not stop us, the opposition we now face will surely fail. We will win our freedom because the sacred heritage of our nation and the eternal will of God are embodied in our echoing demands. And I call attention to this not just because of the beauty of the words, but one of the things that's been a constant in our rediscovery and our effort to take back America is that the American radical and progressive tradition stands deeply not deeply it stands let me rephrase it it embraces the american promise that promise is at the heart of the struggle we can scorn the state of america we can scorn the exploitation and oppression that has marked the american story but it remains the case that there is a promise authored in 1776 which regardless of the hand that wrote it jefferson's hand it issued a promise that in every generation, Americans have laid claim to and struggled to realize. We saw that with everyone from the earliest to the likes of Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, Eugene Debs. Here we have Martin Luther King. It was true of Franklin Roosevelt, who we spent almost nine months, I think, detailing. Okay, I may be exaggerating on that one. I just want to call that to people's attention. And speaking of Thomas Paine, I think I'd like to call attention to something else. I came across this after I wrote my book on Thomas Paine. In fact, I kept cursing the fact, as you heard me do before, that somehow I failed to discover this while I was writing the book, because I really wanted to include a link between pain in the late 18th century and the African-American struggle for freedom in the mid and late 20th century. I found it for earlier struggles by African-Americans and everyone else, but I wanted something to connect to the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. And I kept thinking, this is impossible. It's because pain was a deist and the Christian preachers of the black struggle did not want to quote a deist. And I still think that might be the case. But listen to this. This is the introduction to King's book, Where Do We Go From Here? The introduction is by Vincent Harding, reverend and professor at the University of Denver for many years. I think he's passed away more recently. In his introduction, he says, King was constantly teaching, learning, urging, admonishing, reminding Americans not only of the powerful obstacles in our histories, our institutions, and our hearts, but also calling our attention to the amazing hope represented by Thomas Paine one of the few really radical, grassroots-oriented founding fathers who dared to proclaim, we have the power to begin the world over again. Insisting on claiming such revolutionary words, King readily grasped them for himself and for us all. still kills me that I couldn't have included that in my book at the time. It's just phenomenal. And in fact, later in the book, he does in fact quote Thomas Paine and always makes it a point of distinguishing Paine from the other founders who he both admires and holds accountable for slavery. But Payne not only was he no slaveholder, he opposed slavery from start to finish, and his words were so fundamental in creating that American promise.
1: If I can go next in, because I think this is a great way to piggyback, you talked about MLK drawing inspiration from Thomas Paine, you know, his radical heroes. You know, he also finds his radicalism in the Bible. Yes. Preaches and proclaims about the radical social solidarity that even Jesus preached. He talked about this in We Need an Economic Bill of Rights in 1968. He Mm. says there is an old testament prophecy of the sins of the fathers being visited upon the third and fourth generations nothing could be more applicable to our situation. America is reaping the harvest of hate and shame planted through generations of educational denial and economic exploitation of its black population. You know, that's that's making an economic argument that came from a biblical argument all rooted in a social argument.
2: I've always made it a point, as you know, of indicating that Roosevelt first called for the Economic Bill of Rights, but it was Randolph in 65 and King in 68 who helped keep that vision and possibility alive. Now, there's one other thing I wanted to I wanted to note, since I mentioned Randolph, is that Martin Luther King was a very bright and precocious young man. And I believe he entered Morehouse College in Atlanta at the age of 15, born in Atlanta, raised in Atlanta. His father was a minister, somebody who, who greatly admired and respected Franklin Roosevelt in the 30s and 40s, in part because as much as the New Deal did not address all of the needs of African-Americans, it did do more for African-Americans than any other initiative since the Emancipation Proclamation of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. It's not on the scale of the Emancipation Proclamation or the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, but it was significant. And African-Americans throughout the country, including in the South, often had, as did white working people, pictures of Roosevelt on the wall, right next to Jesus, right next to Jesus. And I think you mentioned your own grandmother.
1: My great-grandmother had FDR's photo. She also saw MLK at St. Stephen's Baptist Church here in Uh downtown in 1957.
2: Pretty good, pretty good. So King entered Morehouse College and the president of Morehouse College, Benjamin Mays, I believe was his name, was very much a student of the social gospel. That is a certain kind of social and political commitment that was demanded of christians and while king was there so it had to be either 43 44 45 mays invited a philip randolph who we've talked about and we'll get back to again in a future installment i mean the great labor and civil rights leader himself a democratic socialist spoke at morehouse and presumably he was there for more than a single night to speak And you invite someone in those days they came for a few days i expect and apparently King had a chance as this teenage whiz kid to spend time talking to Randolph, who was there to talk about not simply the questions of racism, but also the questions of capitalism and the need to confront capitalism. And then if you think about it, there it is, 19, let's give it 1944 is the date. 19 years later, the March on Washington movement, which was Randolph's idea back in 41, his doing, but especially organized by Bayard Rustin, with the support of Walter Ruther of the United Auto Workers, that day in Washington in August was a historic moment. It didn't change people's minds, but it placed that civil rights movement clearly in the public imagination in a way that the violence associated with the struggles before did not. It showed 250,000 black, white, and other folks turning out in D.C. for a march Not even simply for civil rights, a march for jobs and freedom. And sometime we'll have to deal with Randolph's speech at that march, maybe when we have my friend John Shelton back. He loves that speech. King spoke at that march on Washington for jobs and freedom. It's interesting to imagine the connections. You've got Franklin Roosevelt's spirit. You've got A. Philip Randolph in direct contact with Martin Luther King in 1944. King becomes, in great consequence perhaps, not only because of his father and Benjamin Mays, but also by having listened and taken in the words of A. Philip Randolph. And of course, we know the tragedy is that King was shot down in Memphis, marching, working with, struggling with sanitation workers who were demanding to be treated like human beings. Absolutely great figure. Absolutely great figure. I don't know of anyone who doesn't get moved by hearing his words, but that's, of course, because I don't hang around with those other kind of people.
1: (laughs) I got one last quote for you, Harvey K. I think that's a great way to bookend, to be honest with you. And it comes once again from the Beyond Vietnam speech in 67. And this is what MLK said. He said, a true revolution of values will soon cause us to question the fairness and justice of many of our past and present policies. On the one hand, we are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside, but that will be only an initial act. One day, we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. And with that, Harvey K, what you got going on? I know we got a book that's out, a brand new edition of the British Marxist Historians. My brother, do we have an update?
2: Well, I get a lot of nice notes from people on Twitter who've seen me on shows or heard me on shows talk about the book. Just had a really nice one from someone today. They must have just caught up with the Left Reckoning episode I did with David Griscom and Matt Leck. And um, it was a really, really nice note. So yeah, I get those kind of notes. But I have to say... You and I haven't done that one yet, have we? We sure have not. It doesn't quite fit our take back America, but it might be fun to do one anyhow sometime this spring. Well, I think we got to do it because I want the
1: behind the scenes. I want to know about the stories and you hanging out with the actual historians. I mean, that's firsthand
2: accounts kind of stuff, my friend. Absolutely. That sounds great. It'd be a fun kind of thing to do. You bet.
1: So while you're vacationing and catching up on some R&R, some much needed radical R&R, let's start planning the behind the scenes for the book well i know for a fact you're having
2: john shelton with you next week in my place it's gonna be great yeah he can never take my place but then again i could never take his either
1: (laughs) oh that's beautiful oh that was so
2: sweet i'm gonna tell him you said that (laughs) he seems very happy and excited to be coming back on with you next week and then the following week i'll be back i'll be back just like we planned it and we can talk about nothing if you want just schmoozing (laughs) harvey
1: can you make us a promise right here right now on the kc morning show that in your stead that you will still be pulling for kc there is one through line we know we won't see green bay but we will see kc harvey will you
2: be on the bandwagon brother (laughs) i've told you i've told you i cannot help but support the Bengals immediately. I I'm, know I'm, I'm saying this to a Kansas City audience. I'm trying to peer press you, Harvey. I'm trying to peer press you. I, I believe you. in truth, justice, <laughs> and the American way. Joe Burrow was the quarterback at LSU. I am an LSU PhD. That for a start, okay? I know you and I are brothers, but nevertheless, okay? I get it. Solidarity. Clearly, the most exciting quarterback in the NFL is your quarterback. You watch him on the field, it's like he is a dynamo, okay? He's hustling, he's throwing. I wonder if he can even sleep at night with all that energy.
1: You know, I wonder the same thing when it comes to the dynamo that is the foremost historian in Thomas Paine and FDR (laughs) history. That's you, Harvey K. Tell these folks where they can find you on the internet.
2: You can find me. Please find me (laughs) on the internet, on Twitter, at R-V-J-K-H-A-R-V-E-Y, initial J-K-A-Y-E. I welcome all of you to please join me. Let me know what you think of our KC Morning Show, Take Back America episodes. Okay, we have plans to do this for the duration of human history. So stick (laughs) with us.
1: And you can get me at HeartSoul965. You can get the show, the KC Morning Show, at KC Morning Show on Twitter, the KC Morning Show on Instagram. My brother, is it a good
2: day to take back America? You can say it's a good day to take back America. I'll say, and you know what? It's a good day to be a Kansas City.
1: Oh, roles reversed.
2: Harvey K, I love you, brother. Watch <laughs> you that soon. Enjoy. Love you, you bet. Take care of yourself and give a hug to Kitty.
0: Anybody here See Can you tell me where
1: he's gone? Oh, he freed a lot of people,
0: but the good